Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. You know, when we began this series uh, a few weeks back, I know this is our third part, but I think I did one even before that, because I have it in my notes as Lamentations 1, which is actually zero, because then I started the series, but whatever. Uh, you know, who would know that we would be seeing in the news the, the kind of tragedies uh, that we are, you know, with what happened in Orlando in the nightclub, and as many of you may have read the toddler, the two-year-old, at uh, also in Florida, who was taken by an alligator at uh, an event there at Disney World, and um, who died. And, and you see, see and read these things, and it's just unimaginable, you know, what is going on in the minds of the people who um, having to live through these things. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 15, it says to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. And why is this important? You know, why doesn't Paul tell us, you know, yeah, you can rejoice with those who rejoice and then those who are mourning help them to get over it and to rejoice because mourning is an experience that we have to go through. It is the only way we can be healed of some of the hurts that have happened to us. It is the only way we can fully acknowledge some of the things that actually have happened. Even as we've talked about uh, previously, learning the importance of what it means to lament, to grieve, to mourn, to be in sorrow. It means so much more than to cry. You know, we've seen that healthy spiritual life has the ability to actually be honest with our responses and our expressions. 
that to be healthy human beings, we have to be able to honestly acknowledge the things that have happened and express the things that happen. A person who goes through tremendous heartache, uh, you know, loses someone in their life and then says, well, praise God, everything works out for a reason, is probably not dealt with that. Because to deal with that, it's going to hurt. You're going to be at a loss for words. You're probably going to cry. It doesn't mean that God doesn't work in situations. We're not taking away the truth of who God is, but we are ignoring the truth of who we are as human beings if we don't give expression to this emotion and this event whatever that event is. And so we think of the people who were killed in Florida and the mourning that is taking place there and the crying and the sorrow and the the anger. Those are honest expressions of what has happened and what they are feeling. And we have to give room for that. And more than that, we have to find a way to enter into that. We, we talked about last week how that lamenting is also making room for someone and sometimes sitting in that silence with them. We saw that the narrator spoke and then the woman who is uh, presented here in Lamentations, these poems, she doesn't speak until verse 9. And, and we see that sometimes silence is the only response. Sometimes shock is the only response to the things that happen. Sometimes the best way for us to respond is to say nothing, to sit in the silence with them, even as the Jews have a custom of doing when there's a loss. They call it sitting Shiva, where they'll sit in silence with someone who is experiencing grief and just unless they are invited into a conversation, they don't feel the need to say anything. They can sit there in the quiet with them. But what we are recognizing is that lamenting is refusing to let what has happened go unnoticed. Even though it might be silent, it won't stay silent and it will give a name to whatever has hurt us, whatever is unjust, whatever we find unacceptable. And that's why so many times when there is a, an event where there is, you know, uh, someone is hurt or, you know, someone is shot or someone dies in a, a you know, accident, a car accident or some kind of industrial accident, we want to find someone that we can pin it on. We do. We want to find where does the blame go when this person takes a gun and shoots these people. And of course, first it goes to him. But then we want to blame everyone else and we'll find, you know, ethnic groups, religious groups, uh, gun manufacturers, gun sales. Um, we'll find, you know, political groups. We'll find whatever we can to try and attach this emotion to because that's what we need is find a place where we can vent these things. And sometimes they're not always 
best way to do it. Sometimes they're not, not always accurate, but it's trying to find an expression. And, and understanding that might help us in dialogue with someone who is going through something. Mourning with them, and when they start to become angry, instead of trying to answer them, recognize what's happening. They need a place to express this emotion. And what happens throughout these poems is the expression is addressed most of the time towards God. God, how could you do this? And honestly, that's where our expression goes too, many times. God, how could you allow her to do that to me? God, how could you allow this to happen to my child? God, how could you allow this sickness to come to them? They didn't even smoke. They've been healthy all their life. God, how could you allow this to happen? And we go there and people go there and the poems here are going there because that's a legitimate response to the emotions that we're feeling. And we've got to learn how to deal with that and not be offended by it and not feel that we have to protect God and we have to come to God's aid because, man, I got to let people know God's good. God is going to come through. We don't need to be there to answer everything. Sometimes we need to sit in silence. Sometimes we need to grieve with them. And then sometimes what we need to do is move from the place of silence to simply acknowledging the pain that is there. And so in chapter two, starting at verse 11, the narrator is writing and he says, my eyes fail from weeping. I'm in torment within. My heart is poured out on the ground because my people are destroyed because children and infants faint in the street of the city. They say to their mothers, where is bread and wine? As they faint like wounded in the streets of the city, as their lives ebb away in their mother's arms. What can I say for you? What can I compare you, daughter of Jerusalem, to what can I liken you that I may comfort you, virgin daughter Zion? Your wound is as deep as the sea. Who can heal you? Those are some powerful words of expression. I mean, this is poetic expression just painting a picture of this dark moment in this city's life that he's given gender to to try and connect that expression. Remember, sometimes we need colorful language and we need some other language other than information to be able to convey what is happening, which is why we like music, which is why poetry is possible, which is why we find ways to communicate that are beyond information because information can only go so far. And here the poet just lays it out. These pictures of children just starving, ebbing away in life. And he finally comes to this conclusion and he says, your wounds are as deep as the sea. Who can heal you? One of the things that needs to happen sometimes is we need to step into that conversation and acknowledge what is happening in that person's life. I was watching a video of 
this, uh, it was flooding, I forget what city it was, it was like a month ago, and this car started going into this place where it was like way too deep, and you hear the cameraman going, what are you doing? Stop, what, where are you going? What are you going? And the car, it was a Prius, just started going into this place, and slowly it started going, and you start seeing it float sideways, right? When the wheels are no longer hitting, and the car is just turning to the side, and then this old guy, you know, comes out, he's probably in his 70s, and he's sitting there, and he's like, my car, what's going on with my car? And the cameraman is going, get out of your car, because he's not wanting to leave his car, but his car is sinking, And so the cameraman is going, get out of the car. And he goes, stay in the car. He goes, no. And then you see that the cameraman sets down or gives the camera to someone else. And then he actually goes in and he still has the microphone. And he's like getting that, come on. And he gets all wet and he goes and he actually pulls the guy out as the guy's trying to swim. And you can tell the guy's just struggling and he helps him out of the car. And then the car goes all the way under, right? It, It just submerges. And the guy's looking back, and he was like, my car, it's underwater. He goes, didn't you know it was that deep? And he's like, no, I didn't know. And at some point, you have to put the camera down, you have to step in, and you have to join that person if you're going to be of any value to them. You've actually got to step into the mess of what is happening. And that's awkward sometimes. Sometimes I don't want to get into the mess. How are you doing? Fine. Okay. Praise God. And you know it's not, but to step in is going to be, it's going to get you wet. It's going to cost you something. But we see here is the narrator can no longer stay silent. He's actually crying out. He's weeping. He can't contain his tears. He can't stop from crying because the tragedy has now affected him so much that it has forced him to be a part of it. And that's one of the things that grief does is it gives opportunity for us to step into someone's life in a way that is very helpful and important. Because I've been involved in in ministry in different ways throughout the years, I have been a part of a lot of funeral services. I've done funeral services for young people who have committed suicide. I've done funeral services for young babies. I've done a funeral service for a person who was engaged, supposed to be married the following day as we ended up having the service. And you step into these people's lives at the most vulnerable, the most hurtful time, and you have opportunity to step into some place that they now have, in a sense, put guards down and are numb because of what's happening, and you get to be a part of that with them. Some of these people, I stay in contact to this day. Uh, This one uh, young lady who lost her child, I'm still friends with. And every now and then, she'll say, hey, Sam, how are you? And she lives in another state. And the only interaction I had with her was at this funeral service of her young baby. But it was enough for her to remember, and I sure remember it, where there was something that was bound there in that event that caused just the opportunity 
for this kind of interaction to take place that would not have happened. There's no way I'd be involved with her life, talk to her, know her, or she'd even want to talk to me any other way except for this event that happened that I got to be a part of. And so these are the kinds of things that happen. And sometimes we need people to acknowledge what it is we are going through. We have this emotion, and it might not be so you know, traumatic as the loss of a life of a loved one. It might just be a depression that you're going through. It could be just a, an emotional time that you're going through. It doesn't have to be as severe as, play, as presented here. But sometimes just going through something, you need someone to be a part of that with you. You want someone to know what's happening. And sometimes even in different areas, you, you just want people to know, is this okay what do you think about this situation? I can remember counseling one time and I remember it was a couple that we were counseling with and then she said, he makes me cut my hair extremely short. Is that normal? And I was like, no, that's not, right? It's like she needed someone to say that isn't right, your husband shouldn't make you cut your hair really short. That, that's a little controlling. Actually, that's a lot controlling, right? And all she needed was someone to say, is this normal? Is, do you see what I'm going through? Is that okay? Should this be happening? And by opening up and saying, this is going on in my life, am I crazy? And you say, no, you're not crazy. That's crazy. And all of a sudden it says, oh, okay, I thought so. I thought that was a little crazy. You see, sometimes we need people to validate the things that we're going through because they are so intense, we're not even sure which way is up. It's like, man, this is so difficult. I'm not sure, I, I feel like this, is that crazy? No, it's not. I'm going through this, I, I've experienced this loss or this hurt, my, I've lost this job and I'm just really depressed and I just want to go out and drink. Is that crazy? No, it's not crazy. I understand that, but don't go out and drink. Let's go do something else. Let's eat pizza. We'll find a different escape. But you, you see, you, you step into that place where now it's like, am I crazy for feeling this way? No, I understand what you're feeling is real. It's okay to feel the way you feel. In fact, I can identify with that and I can help you to understand that it is a reality, something that you're going through. And so when someone does look or does see what is happening, it helps us actually to find our way out of whatever pit we're in. It kind of opens up the light at the end of the tunnel. Say, okay, that's what I thought. That is the way out. I just couldn't see it. But now that you are here with me and you're saying, no, this is what's going on, it helps us to see. And so sometimes it's important that we enter into this place of mourning, of grief, that we express it with them. Even last week, as I shared with my friend who I just cried with, when he lost his grandfather. Sometimes we just have to enter, enter into that place where we can give validation to what they're feeling. 
where they're hurting and you could say, I am so sorry for what you're going through. It has to be so painful. It has to be something that is overwhelming you. Your wound is as deep as the sea. Sometimes that just makes you go, yes, it is. And it actually helps you to embrace it. And it actually brings more healing than trying to pull them out and make them feel better or give them some kind of answer to the reason they're feeling this way. Peter Rollins, that uh, Irish philosopher that I've been reading, he writes this. This is really good. He says, The key to easing people's sufferings is not in offering some insidious theodicy. That's just cool, those words. It just sounds cool, right? Insidious theodicy, it, it means not giving them a trite explanation of God. Okay? Someone loses a child, you don't say, everything happens for a reason. God knows. That's not dealing with the emotion. That's probably not going to help them out of where they're at. Okay? And so some insidious theodicy, some try and explanation of how God works and does things. So the key of easing people's suffering is not in offering some insidious theodicy, but in allowing a place for people to mourn and to meet others who know what it is to have been burned by that black sun. Isn't that just so picturesque? This is not about providing an answer, but rather offering a site where we can speak our suffering. This may seem a little depressing, but such spaces are really sites of liberation and light. You have to go through it. And the better you go through it and understand what it's happened, what's happened to you and understand your right of emotion and feeling that way, the better you are going to have the chances of coming through it healthier. The struggles that we face many times, the PTSD or the repressed memories, have to do with things that have happened to us that we were never able to express. We never dealt with it fully, and so now it stays there, and it shows up in different ways. You might not see it. It might show up in how you interact with your kids. It might show up with how you act at work. It might show up with how you act to your wife or, or friend. It, it shows up usually in your relationship somewhere, some way. Because you haven't fully got to deal with it, it stays buried. But when you go through it and it brings expression and you own it and you fully are able to name it and express it and go through it, then you have learned, you have experienced, and you have come through. So much of these poems are these expressions of grief. It's like over and over again, oh man, this is bad. Oh man, this is bad. Oh man, how bad is this for you? And then she's going to go, oh man, this is really bad. This is terrible. What's going on? Why would God allow this? Oh man, this is bad. 
And it's like, where's the answer in all these poems? There's not really this answer to what these things are happening. And next week, we're going to talk about where there is having to embrace the responsibility that is why the city, this woman, is in the situation. But even that has this beautiful picture to it and why he calls her Virgin Daughter Zion in verse 13. Why does he call her that? We'll talk about that next week. But right now, it's important to recognize the idea of learning to lament has to do even learning how to lament with someone else. Not just for yourself, but with someone else. When someone else is hurting, Sometimes you just need to hurt with them and you just need to acknowledge their hurt. You need to say, I recognize how difficult this must be for you. I'm so sorry. Your wounds are as deep as the sea. That must just cut to your heart. That must just be terrible. What you don't need is someone saying, oh, you'll get through it. Yeah, Joe, he went through a lot worse. Yeah, he lost, you know, two fingers, not just one. It's like, what? (laughs) Well, thank you. That doesn't help the fact that I lost one finger. You know, it's not fixing things. It's like Brian Regan and his story about the wisdom teeth, you know. Don't tell anyone you've taken two wisdom teeth out because people who lost four, they'll jump right in. Two. (laughs) That's nothing. I had six wisdom teeth there. And so sometimes we have to learn how to lament with people to be able to bring expression of the things that they're going through, be able to cry with them, to be able to actually no longer just stay silent, but just say, this is terrible. What you're going through is awful. I'm so, so sorry. I know there's times where people have told me just horrific things, and all I could do is just say, I'm so, so sorry. I have no other words. I have no answers. I can't make sense of this. All your questions, why, I don't know. All I want you to know is that is painful. I recognize why you're hurting. Good reason to hurt. And so I identify with that and I accept those things. Throughout these poems, we see this beautiful and difficult expression of hurt. We see how there is this almost haunting just oppression of an event that is now something that they are wearing. And what I think we can do is go into this and wear it in some way with them so that they see we understand and are willing to stay there in this situation with them so that they aren't alone. When you think of Christ and the crucifixion and he goes to the garden to pray, and he tells his chosen few to to watch and pray that they don't enter in temptation. 
And he goes off to a distance and he prays, Father, if there be any way, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And he goes back and he finds them asleep. We're being told this story because it's an expression of how alone he was at this time. When the people who he was closest to did not sit with him in his pain. And finally, three times he prayed this and finally says, come on, it's time. Couldn't you stay awake even for an hour? Sometimes what we need to do is stay awake with them for that hour. We need to be there, a part of that pain with them for the length that it takes. And the expression that Jesus goes through helps us to see that God does understand the expressions that we go through, the hurts that we go through, that he is not strange to these things, that they are not foreign to him, that he identifies with these things very, very well. And if anything, what brings comfort is not that God is going to fix all these things, but that God is actually with me in all these things. And so we have that comfort as well. Let's pray. Father, this is an emotional topic. It's meant to be. Father, this is a difficult subject. Again, it is meant to be difficult. And that is the reason, Lord, I believe you have it here in Scripture is because it is a integral part of our lives as human beings that this lamenting, this grieving, this expression of hurt and loss and pain is something that is a reality in our lives. And Father, may we not treat it lightly. May we not try and answer it with some insidious theosity. Uh, Lord, might we be willing to step into it with those who are hurting. May we hold their hand. May we be the shoulder they cry on. May we cry together. May we mourn together. And Father, may we find it an opportunity to actually bring us into a deeper relationship with one another. And Father, in doing that, we actually have the opportunity to allow you to be seen more clearly in us for God, you are love, and though we cannot see you, you are seen in our expressions of love towards one another, and this definitely can be that. And so I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen Lola and the things that she goes through and how she feels. Lord, don't strengthen her away from the empathy, but strengthen her in it. I pray that you would guide her through this, and Lord, that as she... Uh, not only accepts it, but tries to, to name it. Lord, might you bring, Father, a deeper understanding and growth in it. And I do pray for all of us, Lord, who are holding things that have hurt us and 
Maybe we're not aware of it. Maybe we are, but we are afraid to open up because we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid no one will understand. Lord, might we be a people who say, no, I get it. I understand. Might we hurt with those who are hurting. Might we be able to give expression even in their silence to the pain that they are feeling. May we be able to say, no, what you're feeling is is true, it's right, it's understandable. Lord, I do pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.